The Science Off feature brought to you by the global leader in water and energy solutions, Grundfos B. Think. Innovate. Good evening. Welcome to The Money Show. The science of the TV show is sat on your couch. Have you thought beyond what it is that you look at as this imaging and this messaging floods out of the screen and into your eyeballs and pierces your brain? Have you ever wondered what it takes to make commercially viable television? Well, the guys at Cheeky Media have got a track record of making some of South Africa's better TV shows. Yusuf Stevens is the joint MD at Cheeky Media. What makes a great TV show? Well, a few things, Bruce. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it is actually a bit of a science, but um, people see the final product, and I think what what actually goes into it is, is often kind of forgotten. You know, there's an entire team, blood, sweat, and tears that goes into uh, minutes of, of TV. So, yeah, um, depends on the view, I suppose. Okay, okay. Take me to you sitting and you're going, okay, we need a new TV show. What's the first step? How do you define what it should be about? Because we need to also, you, you do a, a range of different TV shows. Uh, can I call them lifestyle shows? I mean, Real Talk, which was, was presented by Anele. Now, Azania's taken it over. The yeah. Man Cave is another one that, that you produce. You've got a couple of others going as well. Or you've, you've had a couple of others in recent years. Yeah, there's been a few. Um, I mean, I think, you know, it's difficult because you're not actually producing TV for, for yourself necessarily. It's, uh, it's just like any other market, you know. Um, you know, is there a market for, for lollipops as an example? Um, how many lollipops can you sell in, in, in a market? So it's, uh, it's very, it's very similar. It's, uh, it's a marketplace and, you know, based on, on, on what would work for the masses, um, for, for different demographics, um, you've got to kind of, you know, conceptualize things around what people want. Um, and that's the essence of, of, of TV making. Okay. How do you know what people want? You ask them. <laughs> How do you ask um, them? Well, look, fr- from a broadcaster point of view, um, I think that, um, you know, the broadcasters generally, uh, the channels, they, they tell you what they're looking for. Uh, they do focus groups. They do all sorts of market research. Uh, they spend the time and the money um, looking into what their viewers uh, are, are demanding. In South Africa, we've got a massive soapy or drama culture. Um, and, uh, then obviously there's the lifestyle stuff. Um, you know, there's long running lifestyle shows. Um, there's talk. Um, talk, um, is always popular. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's the different genres, huh? So do, so if you were asked by SABC3, would they do, would they, SABC2, who, who, who's your main sort of commissioning partner? Who decides who, where do you, where's most of your content carried? I mean, I think historically probably SABC. Um, specifically, CBC three, I think. Um, okay. But we work with everybody. You know, we've got a we've got a daily show on on ETV. Um, we've done award winning stuff with Mnet. Um, yeah, we work with everybody. Okay, so Mnet come to you and they say we're looking for a TV show. Our focus groups tell us we want X, Y, and Z. Do you go then into a tender process to bid for it, or do they come to you specifically and say, you've got a great track record of doing this kind of stuff. We know that you are capable of pulling it off. Please, will you deliver? Uh, Here is the price per minute. How does that process work? It's a combination of the two, actually. So, um, you know, often often you you get invited to, like, a, a closed pitch. So they've got a concept they that they think would work well on the channel. Um, and then you kind of one of three or one of five production houses that uh, that are considered based on your track record, like you say. 
Um, but last year we did a show called Winging It for Mnet. Um, we, we actually won the SAFTA for Best Reality Show. Um, and that was done the other way around. So we had the concept. Um, we presented it to them. Um, and they said, cool, we love it. You know, how do we make it work? And uh, from there we, we went on to kind of, you know, go through the process of, of you know, what format is it? Is it a commission? Is it a license? Um, and then, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to you've got to see what's viable from from our side. You know, we've got to make it work. At the end of the day, we are financial kind of you know entity. Um, we, we're trying to make money, and at the same time, you've got uh, the broadcaster, Imnet, in this case, who who, who are looking for content. Um, was winging it unique? Was that original thought? Because so much of what we see on TV, the Bake Offs, the singing competitions, the reality shows, are simply remakes of stuff that's happened and been very commercially successful elsewhere. Come dine with me, South Africa, that sort of stuff. Um, it simply repeats of stuff we've seen elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, look, you take inspiration from, from different places, but um, I think that uh, we, four years ago, had a concept called The Best of Both. Um, we're currently working on it now, and it was a travel show where um, it's the best of both. So you've got two hosts um, who experience two different sides of, of travel. So one does it kind of the five-star route, the other one does it the, the you know, the backpackers route or the more economical route. Um, so same, same same destination, but same different destination. Ex- different experience of the of the destination, right? One hundred percent, and I mean, that that stems from from us doing travel shows before. You know, I mean, it's uh, there's a perception that traveling is too expensive, um, and you know, traveling can be expensive, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, often you find that um, you know they are like we showed during during winging it that that the experiences that doesn't cost a lot that you know they create memories that that'll last with you or stay with you for. For, for a lifetime. Uh, has there been a South African originated TV concept that has gone the other way, that has globalized? So um, you know, Oprah created, uh, is, she didn't create the talk show, but she perfected it. Um, yeah. and, and so much talk show sort of stuff goes around what Oprah's done, or what Ellen does, or what Dr. Yeah. Phil has done. Um, and, and, but have we created a South African concept that we've exported? I think there's been a few concepts that um, that has been exported. Um, I mean, I can't think of anything specifically that that has go- gone to you know Oprah's kind of uh, uh, the success rates uh, or Ellen. But um, I know for a fact that um, there was a show, the uh, the what is it called, um, Prime Master South Africa. I know that yeah. was definitely exported. Um, my business partner Yanez, um was was a host on a show called Top Travel. I know that was uh, that was uh, exported to to Travel Channel in the US. Um, so you know nothing nothing that that was you know majorly uh, successful or, or made massive international waves. But it's uh, it's unfortunately kind of one sided. So we like uh, we like formats in South Africa. So we buy them and we do the local version. Yeah, I mean I'm just wondering how hard it is to come up with a format. Uh, clearly, it's it's a there's there's a a deep science and deep art to producing the formats that are globally transportable. Definitely, I mean I think that um, you know. The landscape's changing quite drastically. Um, it's becoming, it's becoming, um, you know, terrestrial TV struggling um, in the sense that you know people watch what they want to watch when they want to watch it. So, the idea of appointment viewing is is slowly dying, um, and it's all about content. So, I'm sure you you've, you've seen, you know, you've got various mobile or cell phone operators or cell phone networks now also in the content game. You've got the likes of uh, DSTV with Catch Up and Showmax. 
um, you've got, you know, the other one. The, the 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 commercial you spoke about earlier with Jason with Goliath, Netflix yes you know? can we we, yeah, we can yeah. mention Netflix are you not allowed to mention Netflix Netflix yeah Netflix, we Netflix. we quite uh, we quite sensitive are you a bit delicate about it are <laughs> yeah. they are they stealing your lunch are they beating you at your own game is that the problem yeah. Yusuf you know no I think you, look I mean I think it's interesting people always ask you know are we scared we in the TV business and um, you know TV's dying and we look at it well from our side at least you know as entrepreneurs and we like to think of ourselves as disruptors to a certain degree as well. Um, we see it as a massive opportunity because if you think about it, as much as TV's dying, um, content, there's never been a bigger demand for content ever. Every little, every brand, the massive, uh, corporates, the, the, the big brands, the small brands, the doctors on the corner, everybody's into content. So, you know, massive opportunity. And it's wonderful, but you just got to find a way to pay for it. And that's the, yeah. that's the, the, the challenge that goes forward. But I suppose, I mean, in your case, you know, 25 years ago when The Lion King came out and you wanted to scare children, you'd go, Mufasa. <laughs> yeah. And in the last 15 years, you go Voldemort. And now to you, you go Netflix. <laughs> and it's, oh, it's like you like you got kryptonite to Superman. That's what it is. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, horse cloth, uh, glass half full or, yeah. or, or, or empty, you know. No, I mean, in traditional terrestrial te- television, when you are asked to pitch for your, 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 your concept and somebody says, okay, fine, here is an idea. We want to do a series. We want to do a, a program and you get four or five production companies in. They come and say, here's the budget. And I mean, mm. traditionally that would be, um, I've always found it weird that you would get a budget per minute. And then yeah. the quality of the show would depend whether it was 5,000 rand a minute or 10,000 or 15 or 20,000 rand a minute for a series of 13 or whatever the case might be. I mean, yeah. is, is budgeting still done like that, depending on the sort of advertising that the, the channel thinks it will attract to that sort of program? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, uh, it's, it's all economics, isn't it? It's supply and demand. So, um, I think, you know, uh, the, the CPMs, the cost per minutes are still very much a guideline, uh, or, or a defining factor. Um, like I said, based on the focus groups and the research the broadcasters do, um, they, they come up with what the foundation of, of the concept should be. Um, and then they put a limit, uh, in terms of, you know, the finances that, that, that's available to, to, produce that and um, you know CPMs also is used to decide which production house get it because if I pitch if you if you're a production company and I'm a production company and our, our concepts or our treatments are similar often the differentiating factor is going to be you know the CPM yeah cost per minute um, yeah. there also is a, a trend of advertorial driven television um, where you see some of the stuff on CakeNet for example and there are a couple of shows what's called Espresso with it's but it's Patently a commercial activity. You, yeah. you come, you come on and you talk about your product or you come in and you talk about your movie and you, you're paying for the airtime, but it, it's yeah. jazzed up as fabulous entertainment. You're good looking <laughs> presenters doing funky things and it's like, oh, this, I must watch this. Um, but actually you're just being spun advertorial all the time. Yeah, I mean, so so that model would be an AFP, an advertiser-funded program, um, or CFP, commercial. Oh, program. I can't keep up with your acronyms. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's it's the different models, right? So, and and the idea there is, uh, it's a form of of fundraising as well, um, and it helps broadcasters get content uh, at at either, either zero cost to them or at a at a lower cost to them. Is that a, so, is it in the best interests of the viewer? Or do we not care about the viewer so much anymore? Listen, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's tricky because 
if if you do an AFP or an advertiser funded program and, and you make it so commercial, you know, um, exploited, then the viewers are going to switch off anyway. Viewers are very intelligent. They they don't like being advertised to all the time. Um, they're very sensitive to that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, the view is definitely very important. And then also on the other side, um, you know, if if you alienate your viewers, then the broadcast not going to be very, the broadcast is not going to be very happy with you either. So it's it's a fine line between between the two. Um, and I think that uh, you know you get you get the extremes of that, um, where you go too commercial and you your ratings you know by definition drop. Um, and on the other side, if you if you get it right, then then you can actually do very well for your client um, via an, an advertiser-funded program um, by delivering their messages, their key messaging, um, and you know making sure that your viewers are happy. There was a time where it was kind of hard to get payment out of the SABC. The SABC went through some very very dark days. Um, are, are those troubles sorted? Was that, is that um, like saying to you, do you, how much do you hate Netflix? Um, no. No comment. It, <laughs> no, I'm no, joking. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it still tough? Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough, and I think everybody's feeling it, you know. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's statistics uh, around uh, DSTV also losing subscribers. It's, it's a difficult time, like I said. You know, it's, it's a transition uh, that's happening at the moment, um, and uh, it's tough. The media industry generally is quite tough, um, but, yeah, you've got you've to count your blessings, I suppose. What's going to define entertainment into the future? How are you positioning yourselves to be resilient against the threats, take advantage of the opportunities that the new tech brings? In this current, uh, we were going right now, it's video on demand, right? Um, I look at my my six-year-old son and even my four-year-old son. Um, They don't watch TV. So, you know, I've got a TV in almost every room in my house. I get a lot of criticism for it, but... Um, they don't watch TV. They, they're watching YouTube. Um, they're watching Netflix and Showmax. Uh, they are part of, 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 you know, the, the next generation of, of viewer that, that will actually never watch, watch traditional. Have TV. you sat them down and said, do you know what paid for those televisions? Do you know what paid for that? <laughs> it was them and you sit down and you wait and now we'll get the program to you when it suits us. That's what paid for this television that you are now abusing. <laughs> Yeah, I think that uh, you know I'm actually for, for a kind of for a long time you fight it and you don't necessarily want them watching um, you know videos all the time. No, um, but I think also that that the way that people consume information is is, is changing. So um, you know you've got to embrace it to a certain degree. Um, you know, where traditionally you'd need to read read someone's bio, um, you know, via a book. You can now watch a documentary. Um, you know, again, great, great documentaries on Showmax, on on um, Netflix, endless. I mean, you almost if if you cannot find something uh, to watch on on VOD on any of the platforms, then then you're not. It's you, right. not them. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Somebody says nut for nut. Wilhelm in Belleville says nut for nut has been exported. Prachtig. Really. I, I, I can't confirm that, but what I can confirm is that Note for Note was actually one of the top performing SABC two shows when when I was working at at the previous company. No, and, so, and it's been um, going for years, and uh, it must be season four thousand or something. But I mean, yeah, something um, like that. They've done so very well with Note for Note. I mean that, and yeah. that, I mean that's got to be South Africa's longest running TV show, commercially successful TV show. 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. Um, it was a good show, and again, it's it's just uh, it's an example of something that that's done for a for a very specific market. You know, it's people who are interested in music. Um, you know, it, it, it was an Afrikaans show. I mean, I, um, I don't even. I mean, it's not my music, and it's it's not my thing. But you do find yourself going, "Does the Roy rock?" Because that's the only song I think I know. Um, <laughs> and you shout at the TV, and that's a good thing, isn't it? That, no, that's exactly it, and uh, we call it layering. So. Um, if, if you look at a show like Top Gear, obviously I'm a massive Top Gear fan. I don't think there's an episode of, of Top Gear that I haven't seen. Um, but Top Gear was a, it was a car show that wasn't actually about cars. So if you break down the demographics of, of the, the, um, the viewer on, on Top Gear, you, you actually found that it was skewed towards females, um, which, which you wouldn't expect. But, um, you know, they've done a great job on that. So it's, it's these three kind of average Joes who, you know, don't necessarily look like a TV presenter should look, if I'm allowed to say that. Um, you know, but they were just real guys who were having fun. Um, and, and I think that was the, the formula for success. Um, do you, I mean, okay, so I've got some questions for you, questions coming through. Do you hmm. own your production facilities? Do you own studios? I mean, there are lots of places where you can make productions. Do you feel the need to own the verticals or can you, do you rent? So we don't we don't currently own our studios. We're into space. Um, we own all of our own resources, though. So um, you know all of the the edit suites, the OB vans, the all of the facilities you need to produce a show. Um, we we own. Where did the, where did you start? Okay, you've been in this for a while, but starting out, did you did you rent and then finally get to a stage where ownership makes sense? Yeah. So when you start out, obviously you're shooting your first production. Um, you know, it's, uh, you, it's all about saving money, uh, then. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the most kind of profitable because you, you're burning a lot of cash on, on rentals. Um, but eventually you work your way up until, until you can actually afford to, to own your own cameras, your own, you know, edit suites, that kind of thing. Um, and when you look at the, the filming of these things, I mean, efficiency, speed is of the essence, getting people in and getting people out. You're paying. I mean, the, the thing that I find extraordinary about television, particularly um, large productions, is so often there is a cast of thousands and half the time three quarters of the people don't seem to be doing anything. And that I find very odd about the, the, the manufacture of TV programs. So we've got a bit of experience on this. Um, when we started out, we were producing, um, actually the Man Cave was one of the first shows we did. Um, and I mean, you learn, these are lessons you, you have to learn for yourself. Um, we were producing it as if it never ended. So when we started, it was, you know, all good and well. We thought that it would never end. You know, we'd get renewal after renewal. Um, it was an advertiser funded program. So as long as we could raise the money, um, on the program, we were happy to carry on. But, since then, um, and it's not actually that long ago. So, um, I mean, I think we started Cheeky Media in April 2014. We launched. So, um, we've had to learn the lessons the hard way in, in the last four years. Um, we now know that, you know, with a show like The Man Cave as an example, the quicker you finish the production of the show, the more money you can actually pocket. So, um, again, basic economics, right? But it's a little harder when you're doing it that way. How, always... how do you balance then the artistic me merit? With the need to be commercially cognizant, again, it's it's finding that fine line. So what we do now is, you know, there are different parts of the show. So you've got the inserts, and and you can identify kind of we call it evergreen content. Um, you can identify those quite easily. Um, you know, content that whether you shoot it today and air it tomorrow, or whether you shoot it today and air it in three weeks' time. You know, no one's really going to know the difference. 
Um, and then there's the links, which is, you know, the part where the presenters are in studio and they're talking about the insert and it has a kind of live feel to it. Um, and generally you save that for last because that, that helps you kind of, you know, whether it's Women's Day, as an example, coming up, you can say, you know, well, it's Women's Month and, uh, you know, this is what, uh, what the guys got up to. But the successful so, sitcoms have been very good at ensuring that they appear to be current. Um, and sort of being able to throw in a scene at the last minute reflecting last week's news and suddenly think, hey, hold on a second, but these guys are, are so on it. Whether they'd been Igoli or whether it was days, you know, the, the what, what was, what was the big one in South Africa that, um, there was a big fight over pay and then it all generations. Oh, generations. generations. They were pretty good at that <laughs> stuff. They are. Listen, uh, producers are clever people um, for most uh, for most of the time. Present um, company accepted or not? <laughs> yeah. Present company definitely accepted. But one thing I can say is that nothing on TV is real. <laughs> Don't burst my bubble. Don't yeah. burst my bubble. You know, it's it's one of those things. So um, I think that uh, yeah, look, obviously you go into things kind of highlighting. Important dates, Women's Month as an example coming up now. Um, we would have planned content for Women's Month, you know, for, for the last kind of six weeks or so, um, wherever possible. Obviously, there's the last minute stuff that pops up as well. Um, but yeah, we try to be as prepared as possible, um, because the art of it is to, to ensure that the, or to at least make the viewer think that it's as relevant or as current as possible. Yusuf Stevens, thanks for coming in. Joint MD at Cheeky Media. They make television, uh, Real Talk, The Man Cave, and other shows that you would have seen on your screens. Uh, Yusuf Stevens is one of the people behind that. Pump systems account for a staggering 10% of the world's electrical energy consumption. A shift to energy-efficient pumps can save 50% of that energy, half. Grunfoss is the global leader in innovative pump technology and is leading the charge in reducing our environmental impact and further mitigating our environmental deficit by harnessing power from off-the-grid and renewable systems. For sustainable pumping solutions in buildings, industries, water utilities, choose Grundfos. Change the world, visit scienceofgrundfos.co.za. Grundfos, sustainably intelligent energy solutions. We care for people and our planet. The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield was brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking, bringing you award-winning trade and working capital funding solutions to unlock the full potential of your business story. APSA is a registered FSP.